Hello, everyone, and welcome to DataFem, where we engage you with stories of how innovators across the globe are using data to achieve new heights in their respective industries. I'm Danielle, CEO of Decayo Data, and I'm actually with my best friend from childhood today, Sada Vasquez Irizarry, and she is the one that got me into data science. So when you think about DataFem, you have her to thank. And just so you know, we are going to have a little bit more laughing tracks on this podcast than normal. So bear with us and enjoy the special treat. So you and I have been best friends for like 23 years, and yep. it's crazy because at that time we had animals carved out of vegetables, amusement parks, <laughs> Harry Potter, and American girl dolls in common, and now we have true crime, red wine, and hookah, and data science in common, yes. so clearly we've grown up, or at least that's what we'd like the audience to believe. <laughs> so let's start with the data science, and then we'll work our way back through the others. Um, <laughs> I wanted to start because you were doing data science way before anybody else was, you know, mm -hmm. like, but when you started doing data science, I didn't know it was called data science. And then all of a sudden, you know, a few years later, it's this whole big phenomenon, but you had yeah. been processing data kind of like you were calling it statistics because that's what it was at the right. time. That was like the only term. So I guess I just want to know like how you've seen the industry evolve because it's almost like it's it's almost like weirdly eerie how like you started <laughs> doing something and then you know three years later a whole industry came out of what yeah. you were doing yeah <laughs> so when I started well I started with a class in my undergrad that I had to take for my major and in that class it was just like um applied data analysis and what we were really just, it was a really interesting class. It was really fun. And we basically got to do our own research project using um, SAS. And so I guess like the biggest thing I've seen is going from looking at sort of very structured data sets for like research project purposes where, you know, you're getting um, all your data comes from surveys and that sort of thing. And then just like the blow up of, using big data and using these big unstructured data sets and the like data mining, that sort of thing to get insights. That's really cool. Yeah. I remember when you took that class and it was just, I didn't even know half of what you were talking about, <laughs> but it sounded, it sounded so cool. And then now, you know, it's kind of the hottest growing field. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but has there been anything that you yourself have created like during this time, you know, like by created, I mean like added packages or, you know, methods of doing things that other people haven't done. Because I mean, if you've been processing data this long and then the industry's been evolving, 
you know, mm-hmm. it kind of seems like you would have had definitely a hand in that. Yeah, I mean, I've never actually created a package for anything. Um, I didn't really start using that sort of, I like open source um, platforms like our studio and whatnot until grad school. But it's definitely something mm-hmm. I'm, would, I think it would be really cool yeah. in the future. Yeah, it would be. I mean, I guess also... It's interesting to see how like so many people come from a statistics background Mm -hmm. like you and me too. I mean, I didn't really get involved in it until, you know, I had taken that stats class. And I guess I'm wondering like what you see the differences in between like people who come from like an academic stats background. And then, you know, you've had so many colleagues over the years, like, you know, where else have you seen people coming from? I know there's a lot of like scientific, um, you know, people with scientific backgrounds like bio and mm-hmm. geology and even astronomy. Yeah. You know, and it's just, I guess since you came, you came from a class with like other people who were interested in data and then your master's was even more focused, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that psychology was a big part of why you got involved, right. but I just want to see like, what differences do you um, notice between you and like, yeah, and people with your background and then like the colleagues you've inevitably had that just kind of fell into it yeah. somehow. Um, so for me, it was, I really, and like what sort of got me into this is that I just really enjoy writing out code and like learning all these cool methods um, to use to like sort of um, look through data and analyze data. With a lot, and so it's really, I just really enjoy the whole process of using R, using whatever um, platform you're using to look at data. And I feel like a lot of people who I've worked with or who like I went to school with um, sort of approached it in a similar way, in that we just really enjoyed like learning all these cool techniques um, through R and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then I worked for a market research company for a few years and there, like most people just saw that as a means to an end. Um, and they yeah. were, their background is mostly marketing or business, um, that sort of thing. So for them, it's, it was more of, and obviously like with a market research company, your focus has to be like your clients and giving them, you know, actionable insights and that sort of thing. Um, but they, So for them, it was more about like, okay, what did we like, it's just a means to an end. It's just like, okay, let's quickly run the data and then see what we can communicate to the clients or the best way to communicate that. What it seems like you're saying is that for a lot of people, the data is just a tool that they're using to do what they were already doing anyway, which is, you know, just marketing and they have a new tool to use. But for you and also for me, you know, it's just it's like you start with the data. The data is like what's fun to play with. And then when you get your results, it's like, oh, what do I use it for? Yeah. You know, I think we need both kinds of people on teams. Oh, absolutely. You have to do like even though I'm coming from where I'm coming from, you absolutely need the people who want to do something with the data and like take it to the next, um, like if you want your business to obviously have clients or whatever, you obviously need people who are like really interested in like taking (laughs) these insights and figuring out like cool ways to communicate them. Yeah. And also people who might not be as enamored by all the things you can do with the programs, 
you know? Because, like, I can go down a funnel of just, like, playing with different little visualization techniques in our studio for hours and then forget what I was actually supposed to be doing because it's just fun to play around like a video game, you know? And then, like, you know, that, like, hours of doing that on your own time is cool, but, like, on a company dime, it's, like, you need people who aren't going to get caught up in the data and only use it for what its purpose is. Um, but at the same time, then we need people, we need those people to also value what, you know, the data scientists do, you know, because like, at some, sometimes it's like, you can be a little too negligent and, you know, forget that what the data science are doing is actually an art and not just like a tool that comes out right. of nowhere. Um, but I have a cool question coming up and it's not, <laughs> it's not silly or anything. It's, <laughs> It's just, it's, it's, it'll make sense. It's that, um, you're so into crime and like true crime. And I wondered if you ever wanted to like work in crime analysis or something like that, you know, cause like your past job when you were working at the DA, you know, there was a lot of like, you know, crime work, but you weren't doing formal data mm -hmm. analysis yet. And I'm wondering if you would ever want to go back. Um, yes, that is definitely something I'd be interested in. I wouldn't necessarily go want, my interest isn't necessarily to go to, um, mm -hmm. like, say, a district attorney's office or a police force or something. It would be more of, like, looking at crime and trends and, I guess, legislation or that sort of thing um, for, like, some sort of independent. Yeah, so like you would be look, you wouldn't be working for the government. You would be working for a private company that analyzes kind of the whole, you know, trends of what's happening in crime. Because like I mean, once you get into city, city politics, you know, data isn't <laughs> data isn't necessarily you know where you start or where you end. Um, I what I really want to do is get involved in like open data on the New Orleans census, there's a whole um, website called Data Driven. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's like an open data portal for like everything that New Orleans, you know, collects, which is not much because New Orleans, you know, is behind in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, like some of the data is just, it's just bike lanes. You know, I don't freaking care about the diameter of a bike lane unless, you know, somebody's going to come behind me when I'm walking and hit me, then I might start to care, but <laughs> I'll be so far from my spreadsheet at that point. It won't, right. it won't connect, <laughs> but I want to talk about like academia and then kind of segue into diversity in the field. Cause you know, that those two are kind of connected um because like I don't know it seems like your particular program at Columbia is one of the first like masters in any kind of data field like now there's like masters in analytics popping up everywhere um but I guess like how would you how would you like looking back compare that program to like the master's and analytics program you kind of see happening now and like what was missing and what was great that type of thing you know kind of from the perspective of somebody deciding whether or not they want to go get a master's in like a specific data program um so like one thing i've noticed with what i've seen that's popped up is that a lot of them 
a lot of these master's programs are just so specific, which is awesome because I think that that's Mm -hmm. an important thing to keep in mind when you're applying to these programs is that you might, like, you can get that sort of specialization if you want that specialization. Mine was pretty much, um, so it was master's into, in social sciences, well, quantitative methods in the social sciences. So it was basically how to do uh, like data science with economics or psychology or sociology or politics, that sort of thing. Um, And then Columbia also just had a general statistics major, I mean, master's. And I think they're popping up even within Columbia, just like more options um, for this kind of thing. So like, that's like the thing I've noticed is that like, if you have a specific interest, I think it's a good thing because you can probably find a program that's very tailored to what, you would be doing with the data or what, mm-hmm. where your interests are. Um, I also think it's important if you don't necessarily know what exactly it is you're doing to make sure that you're finding a program that's a little less, t- like that's not as focused just so that you don't get pigeonholed or you don't end up, you, or you realize you don't actually find the specific um, field interesting. You still have the tools to do this in another place. Yeah, that's really important because, you know, if you do, I mean, I don't know how specific these programs are getting, but that's really interesting. Mm. You know, it's just when you were saying that, I was just picturing, like, how do they find professors <laughs> for so for enough classes? You know, like, I know there aren't a ton of classes in master's, like you maybe have like two or three classes mm-hmm. a day. But like, if it's so specific, what are you going to do Just sit around, you know, right. <laughs> twiddling your thumbs? <laughs> Um, well, I do want to talk about diversity yes. because it's something that you and I talk about a lot just in general mm-hmm. when we're not, you know, shooting the yeah. shit. But, Which, to be fair, is a lot of the um, time, but... <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So to, this is like an excerpt of the few, like the 3% serious conversations we have <laughs> are all represented in this podcast. Usually it's just full house jokes. Full house jokes. Harry Potter jokes. Lord of the Rings yeah. jokes. Do you think Barty Crouch looks a little bit like Aragorn? I don't even know what Barty Crouch looks like. He's really hot. Oh he has like... I, do you mean the Barty Crouch Jr. or the old dude who's like oh, constantly on. pissy well, guess... during the fourth book? Which to be fair... Which one do you think I like? And don't say you don't know. Okay, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the younger one. Uh, no, I mean, I just, I just the looked younger it up. one that has that weird tongue thing. The fuck? <laughs> he has that weird tongue thing. Like he'll like, you know, like stick out his tongue and like lick stuff. No, you don't remember that. <laughs> okay, well then it's probably a good time to segue right back into diversity. I like, I alternate back and forth between like how much I want to talk about diversity and how much I just want to like have diverse guests who talk about what they're doing in machine learning, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I don't really know which is more like, which, which is more of an activist standpoint, like calling attention or, you know, like 
having these discussions on air that are about diversity, like within the AI space or just talking about the hard facts to prove like, yes, we can do this. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to like find the balance between. um, But I think like both are important because even like what I just said when I was like, you know, I'm, if I'm recording a podcast talking about AI with like a fellow woman of color, Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be sitting here having to prove that we know what we're doing in our careers anyway. Right. You know? And so the fact that, you know, it feels like it's always for somebody else that you have to, you know, justify your point and justify like your position in the space, you know, while warding off tokenism at the same time, like it's, you know, it's hard. I do think, and this is where, like, you know, you're going to have a better perspective or a more experienced perspective than I do. I feel like academia does help, you know, mm-hmm. coming in, you know, from just, you know, coming into the field from academia where you have all this support from what it seems it's harder for people who don't have, like, a accredited university backing them up, Um Yeah, but I guess, like, without getting too much into it, like, what do you think, I guess, what do you think, like, the role of diversity is at the firms that you've worked in? And, you know, also, like, why is it important to have diversity in data science, like AI algorithms specifically? Um, I think there was a, I'm thinking of, like, with AI algorithms, algorithms damn um where i think i just recently read an article about how like sometimes people try to claim that algorithms don't have bias and how that's just like blatantly not true because it can have the bias based on whoever is the one who actually programmed it um Mm -hmm. so i really think that when you're doing more machine learning ai stuff you really do need to have a diverse group of people working on it um and I think that's really important. I mean, I think that that's important for really all fields is that you need, regardless of it's working with data or not, is that you um, have a diverse group of people working there. Um, and that's, you know, gender, skin tone, uh, I'm not skin mm-hmm. tone, race, that sort of thing, sexual orientation, gender identity, all of that. Um, just because I really think it provides perspectives that like one individual person might not have. And I just think that's so important to have that um, out there. Is, is like your diverse background, both academically and, you know, being Latina, like, is that something that you think about like on a daily basis when you're at work or like applying for jobs? Like, is that something that's like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's definitely something where, I I wouldn't not take a job just because it didn't have the most, let's say, diverse um, staff, but it is something that I'm very acutely aware of when I work, like if I walk into a job interview and I take a look around at the people or and I, I walk into a new job, that sort of thing. I always, I'm, am always aware of like, am I the only person of color in this room or like, mm-hmm. am I the only woman in this room? Yeah, yeah. It's something to weigh against. It won't, like, necessarily be a deal breaker. No. Um, I don't see... I, I see a lot of activism happening, like, across the board, like, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
by people who, you know, are working in the space and want to constantly advocate for other people entering, you know, the data space. And I think, but, you know, diversity and race and gender isn't the only thing. Like, there's also um, so many debates over, like, how to even learn these skills in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like... I I felt way more comfortable getting into data science because you were already in it. Yeah. You know, and I think subconsciously that probably is because like somebody who I relate to was doing so many things in the field and we would talk about it all the time because if not like <clears throat> I don't think I would like at the, at least like 2 years ago even I wouldn't really be seeing a lot of people that yeah. I relate to up on the stage at, uh, up on the stage I want to talk about like self-teaching though, because like lately that's what we've been. Yeah. Well, one of the things we've been going back and forth on text about, I will not mention <laughs> which, which episodes of True Crime Podcast <laughs> is another thread. Um, <laughs> but one of the things is, you know, I know that you're, you know, experimenting with Tableau and I say I'm going to start learning a sequel, but I haven't. Um <laughs> And I guess I I'm, I want to talk about that process because I know there's like a lot of boot camps for pretty much every language mm-hmm. at this point. But, you know, what you and I seem to have in common is that we want to like self-learn. Yeah. And I, I mean, do you think like the only difference between, you know, do you think the only difference between the, the two methods is motivation or is it something else? Like I... I guess, like, I'm trying to think, like, in what circumstance would we go to, like, a professional boot camp to learn something? Or is that time passed, you know, since we've already seen what, like, academia can do and what it can't in teaching a language? Yeah, I mean, I definitely do. If given the option, I found that, like, learning it in sort of, uh, not academic necessarily, but, like, in a class setting was really helpful um, for learning R, for learning SAS, SPSS, just because, I don't know, it, it, I just thought it was helpful because like you said, um, motivation is a thing. And it's very, it was very helpful to have um, sort of like a, no, you actually have to do this. Like, if you want to learn this, you have to complete these exercises, you have to turn this in, that sort of thing. Um, it also was very much of a, where I was in my life that I thought it was helpful um, mm-hmm. because I was moving from working in law to wanting to work with data. And I just really needed to put in a lot of effort at that time to sort of reacquaint myself with the stuff I had learned in college and just learn a lot more. And for me at that moment, the easiest way to do that or like the most what made the most sense for me was to go back to school and get my master's with it. Now I don't think I would necessarily, like now if I wanted to learn a new language or a new platform or something, I think I would definitely just do Um, Mm self-teaching just because I'm already in the data science space. Um, It doesn't make sense for me to get another degree with it. Self-teaching I think is really cool because I mean, like, you have to have the motivation, but it's really cool because you really get to control what it is you're looking at. Um, And you can really just, like, if there's a specific data set you want to work with, you can just really go in and 
play around with it. Um, and it's, and obviously it's helpful when it's like open source, um, platforms like self-teaching with R is great because you don't need a license to download R. No. And when I look at the options for R studio that would be paid, it really is for companies, Mm -hmm. you know, like you don't really get anything else from it except for that shared server, which is obviously a huge deal for people using R in a big corporate Of course, because you need multiple people accessing it, but... Yeah, and then that's kind of the way that everybody communicates. So it's like investing in any kind of like Slack or Asana or any kind of tool. Um, But that's why I love R so much, because when I look at the options, the free version has everything that an individual, no matter what level of data science or data mining you're doing, that's all you would need. Um, And that's just simply not the case for every software. And I think, you know... Um, like for example, like my SQL, like that is the open source right. version of SQL, but I haven't been able to even start playing with it because I don't even know what that means. Like what's the difference between like open source and the actual SQL I would be using on a job hypothetically, yeah. you know, but I think it's interesting just in terms of like even the R studio, like R stats community, just the fact that like any individual can get so far Mm -hmm. really makes the community more, you know, intact and innovative because at least even for Tableau, you really do have to pay in some way. Like now there's Tableau public, which is great, but like it doesn't have all the features that Tableau has that I was playing with at school. Self-teaching is really, like, it it does take a lot of motivation, but then there's so many online communities nowadays, like Stack Overflow and Twitter even has become that, where, like, you can just ask for advice while you're working, so it doesn't really seem that, you know, solitary. And, like, I feel like also when, at least for me, like, being so involved in it, I just think it's such a cool thing, but people who aren't as involved in it might not have like don't really might not necessarily know all of the different functions of it or like what you can do and I also think it's important um that a lot of people sort of have and sometimes very um important concerns about what their data is being used for and how it's being accessed Mm -hmm. and I think it's important to sort of get people who might not be as involved in working with it in their career or whatnot to sort of have an opportunity to learn more about it and or to to express their concerns or their thoughts on it. That's really interesting that like you you think like a lot of the reasons people might not want to talk about data or engage with it is because of a fear, mm-hmm. you know, of safety yeah. and privacy. But the only way to address those concerns is to actually hear what the public thinks right. about data, you know, because at least myself included there's like danielle the data scientist and then there's danielle the data consumer Mm -hmm. the data consumer is the one that google's red wine helps sickness (laughs) you know in which (laughs) 
<laughs> and ignores all the articles that say stay off alcohol when you're <laughs> sick and says, you know, oh, yes, the red wine you drink will take your flu, you know, will take your <laughs> flu away. You know, that's Danielle, the data right. consumer, you know, like somebody who looks for the data that she wants yeah. to see, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of people approach data mm. that way. When I do it, See, I'm laughing because I know that that's not, I know that that's not right. the way to do it. I just do it to make myself feel better mm -hmm. in the moment. And I know it's a lie. <laughs> Often your data will masquerade itself as, um, you know, like a fact when it's really just a segment of what you right. want to believe. Um, and I think that's why it's interesting to talk to the public about data, you know, because people who are in this whole like elite data science club, we go to conferences and we go to meetings and everybody kind of has the same knowledge. Um, like, you know, I find the talk about having diversity incorporated into every single algorithm that's being built really important because the thought of having you know algorithms of the future being built by the same set of people who've always been controlled that's terrifying um but like everybody's always talking about that so it's like you know people it's like oh we're gonna have the discussion on diversity the discussion on data ethics the discussion on safety and it's like you know the same topics come up over and over but the public isn't like that, you know, and I think like it's it's even interesting to think of how when we're at work or like at our computers, we view data one way, but then we're also still data consumers like everybody and we're giving our data to all of these programs. And like, does that change kind of, you know, our like, does that change our role within the data space when we think of ourselves as consumers? It's interesting. Um and especially for you, like working in marketing analytics, that's like working with big companies and they have like, you know, you weren't even working at the individual level. You were working with like how companies want to present themselves, you know, and that's a whole different thing. When you think about it, like, you know, you have these really versatile skills from starting in psychology and then, you know, going from psychology to more marketing um, or going from psychology to like, you know, your social science degree, which includes, but wasn't limited to psychology and then going into marketing, like what, if there was one thing like you could use like your data superpowers to do, what would it be? <laughs> um, let's see. I don't know if there's a specific, I want to do this answer. We did touch on it a bit earlier where I said I would be interested in sort of looking at crime, um, in um in like I would be look interested in looking at crime in some way, and I think it's sort of yeah like that I would be really interested in looking at crime, looking at what communities are being impacted by various laws, by various um, types of crime. Um, that's definitely something I'm interested in. I actually did a project in grad school about hate crimes and the communities that were being impacted and what sort of things. Um, could lead to spikes in that for various communities but yeah so I would really be interested in especially looking at it from a like what sort of trends are happening in terms of crime in terms of like public sentiment that sort of thing